This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, August 1st, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, Recommendations for Reducing the Risk of Cannabis Use-Related Adverse Psychosis Outcomes, is in Journal of Dual Diagnosis. The authors reviewed the literature around links between cannabis use and psychosis and recommend several ways for consumers, health professionals, and policymakers to decrease risk of developing psychosis symptoms. Author recommendations based on the most substantial evidence of linkage to psychosis include 1. Avoid use in adolescence. 2. Avoid cannabis with high THC concentration. 3. Limit frequency of use. 4. Avoid use if experiencing psychosis symptoms or receiving treatment. And five, avoid use if user has other risk factors for developing psychosis. Next is a study in cannabis and cannabinoid research titled Running High, Cannabis Users' Subjective Experience of Exercise During Legal Market Cannabis Use Versus No Use in a Naturalistic Setting. This crossover study compared participants' experiences of running after use of legal market cannabis to running without cannabis in a real-world setting. Participants were cannabis users between the ages of 21 and 49 years. Results suggest that acute cannabis use may be associated with a more positive exercise experience among regular cannabis users. Further research is needed to establish the long-term harms and benefits associated with this behavior. A new study in International Journal of Drug Policy is titled Alignment and Local Approaches to Alcohol and Cannabis Control Policy. This study examined how local recreational cannabis policies mirror existing alcohol policies for nearly 250 cities and counties in California. Two scores were employed, local policy stringency, as well as provisions that could be applied to both substances. Average alcohol stringency score was 7.7. Some 71% of local governments banned retail cannabis sales but these same municipalities had less stringent policies for alcohol, indicating that existing alcohol controls are not adapted to regulate cannabis. Next, we have a study in Journal of Cannabis Research titled A Comparison of Advertised versus Actual Cannabinoid Content of Oils, Aqueous Tinctures, E-Liquids, and Drinks Purchased in the UK. This study examined 63 cannabidiol products online and analyzed them for actual CBD content. The products represented 40 brands and included 13 aqueous tinctures, 29 oils, 10 e-liquids, and 10 drinks. Most products had CBD contents less than advertised. Only 8% of products had CBD concentrations within 10% of advertised. A new article in MMWR is titled, Cannabis-Involved Emergency Department Visits Among Persons Aged Less Than 25 Years Before and During the COVID-19 Pandemic. To understand trends in U.S. cannabis-involved emergency department visits, the CDC used National Syndromic Surveillance Program data to examine changes in emergency department visits from 2019 to 2022. Mean weekly cannabis-involved emergency department visits among all young persons were higher during the COVID-19 pandemic compared with corresponding periods in 2019. The next article in Clinical Epigenetics is titled 
prenatal Delta-9 THC exposure is associated with rhesus macaque DNA methylation enriched for autism genes. This study exposed pregnant non-human primates to THC and measured DNA methylation in five tissues at delivery. The authors found 29 genes, all candidates for ASD, methylated in THC-exposed macaques greater than the controls in all five tissues. This increased methylation with prenatal THC exposure reflects alterations in the epigenome that could be the underlying mechanism for the association of prenatal cannabis exposure and ASD observed in humans. Our next article, titled Cannabis and Cannabinoids for Pain and Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder in Military Personnel and Veterans, is in JAMA Psychiatry. While cannabis use in the military is low, with the exception of legalization of marijuana, in this article, the authors review the current evidence for use of cannabis products for treatment of pain and post-traumatic stress disorders. After review, the authors found no benefit for pain with the use of cannabinoids. Similarly, across multiple studies, there did not appear to be any benefit from cannabinoids for treatment of PTSD. Our final article, titled Management of Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder and Acute Stress Disorder 2023, is in VA-DOD Clinical Practice Guidelines. This guideline describes the critical decision points in the management of PTSD and acute stress disorder and provides clear and comprehensive evidence-based recommendations that incorporate current information and practices for practitioners throughout the Department of Defense and Veterans Affairs healthcare systems. The guideline is intended to improve patient outcomes and local management of patients with one of these diagnoses. The updated guidelines recommend against cannabis or cannabis derivatives for the treatment of PTSD. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.